0: This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. Turn on the Jets podcast. And now, here's your
1: host, Joe Caporoso.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host Joe Caporoso. Joined this week by Daniel Eason of our staff at Turn on the Jets. We're going to talk about a range of topics in our final podcast of 2018. We're going to talk about Sam Darnold lighting up the Green Bay Packers in a very, very productive, happy Jets loss, about as good as it gets for a loss. Uh, We're going to talk about the Jim Harbaugh rumors, and we're also going to talk about some things that we are hoping to see this offseason, as the offseason is basically here and is going to hit us fast and furious in these coming days. Dan, thank you for joining us. It's been a little bit since we've had you on the pod.
1: Yeah, it's 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 been a while. I think it was like mid-season or so the uh, last time I was on, and uh, you know they went on a, a few a few big wins, a couple wins there. Uh, but then you know had the lull in the middle of the season. Uh, after that, but yeah, it's been a little while. A lot has happened. Plenty to talk about.
0: Yeah, the lull a lull is a polite way to describe it. But fortunately, <laughs> we've gotten through the Josh McCown games, and since returning from injury, Sam Darnold has been a different player. I think. Good against Buffalo, had one really bad interception, but played great in the fourth quarter. Houston, at the time, was his best game of the year, improvising, making plays outside the pocket. And Green Bay, now now his best game of the year. And less improvisational, more in rhythm, hitting play action on first down, confident throwing the football. There were times it looked like the Jets were playing seven on seven. I know Green Bay does not have a great defense, and they are not a good team. That being said... 21-year-old rookie, to go out and throw for 340 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, completing over 60% of his passes. This is exactly what Jet fans wanted to see from him. And when you start looking at Darnold's season in totality now, you take out that Miami outlier with Spencer Long snapping the ball all over the place, it's been a pretty damn encouraging year. And I will still give, I know Browns fans are very sensitive, I will still give, A slight nod to Baker Mayfield for having a better year. His numbers are substantially better. The reality is that he has a better supporting cast. He's had an easier schedule. I don't want to take that away from him, though. He's playing great. I think both teams have franchise quarterbacks. I think there's a big gap between Mayfield, Darnold, and then the rest of the group, whereas I would say Jackson is probably the third guy at this point, but he's still a few clicks behind the first two. And then a little further down, you have Allen and Rosen who have really struggled. I think with Rosen, you know, he was a guy I was high on pre-draft and a lot of guys on our staff were. I think he's in a terrible situation, but to be fair, Donald's in a pretty terrible situation, and he's found a way to overcome it. What, I don't know, what plays or moments specifically from this Green Bay game got you most excited about Darnold?
1: Yeah, so I think the interesting thing about Darnold uh, is that he just looks so much more confident than he did, say, in the Cleveland game, uh the night game, you know, where he was visibly rattled. You know, there's times where he didn't trust what he was seeing and he kind of just moved on. But I think he's developed to a point where he now trusts what he's seeing. Uh there are a couple throws to curse he had, uh that were like quick slants, and he like he ripped it. He just ripped it. He didn't think too much. He didn't like over overdo anything. He didn't uh not trust what he was seeing. He knew what he saw. He trusted you know the the game planning that they did midweek. Um and he just let the ball go. And I feel like he's doing more of that recently. And they've been trusting him a little bit more, giving him more uh plays down the field to take, more chances. Um and he's he's excelling and it's good to see that now as opposed to you know having to wait and see say uh you know hey maybe he'll develop into 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 that in year two or maybe we'll see him let loose a little bit more in year two but now we get to see that now at the end of the season um which gives us really good basis for uh you know how he's going to look going forward and i think um yeah like those those two those couple uh, uh slants to curse i think were encouraging to me because uh you know for somebody who uh people always said doesn't have good arm strength or you know uh, you know, they felt like he wasn't on the same level as someone like Josh Rosen because of that. And I personally, I like Josh Rosen coming out a little bit more. But uh, I think the improvements that Sam Darnold's made with his arm strength and with uh, his anticipation uh, were really obvious in that Green Bay game. Um, and of course, like just <laughs> the, the effortless ways he makes things happen in terms of improvisation and outside the pocket uh, and his connections with Herndon. I think between him... Uh, showing that he can he can rip it in there, that he, that he has an improved arm strength and his connection with Herndon and uh Robbie Anderson who are obviously gonna be brought back. Uh Robbie Anderson they have kinda have to yes to sign that tender, which I hope he will. But uh, um yeah, I think I think it's encouraging to see Sam Darnold developing that relationship with those two, but mostly the way he's been growing in confidence and uh, you know, in arm strength. Yeah,
0: I think the chemistry in particular with Anderson and Herndon, and Anderson had really had a disappointing first, I don't know, 10-ish games of this season. The last three weeks, he's looked like the guy that we were so excited about after last season, and I think... Last year, he really made some big strides in showing he was more than a one-trick pony, could do more than vertical routes, and we didn't see that in the early part of the year. We've seen it the last few weeks. He's catching the ball all over the field on different types of routes, a lot more confident and fluid with his routes and catching with his hands, and that's the guy that can be a really strong complementary piece for their offense going forward. I don't know if he's ever going to be the traditional quote-unquote true number one receiver, Uh, but that is overrated because only a handful of teams have that. You want him to be a good starting receiver who could run a full route tree, and he's looked like that guy the past three weeks, and he will be back next year. He's a restricted free agent. The Jets will put that tender on him. I don't think anyone's giving up a second-round pick for him. You never know, but I'd be surprised if they did. Uh, So good to see him comfortable with Anderson and with Herndon. His ability to get down the field, he made – you know, the catch of the year for the Jets with that one handed grab. Also had a good back shoulder catch, which was a you know, just a perfect throw from Darnold. Uh so those guys and McGuire particularly in the passing game, in my mind are are really nice complementary pieces. You still need that top playmaker and you still need more depth, Le'Veon Bell could potentially be that top playmaker. If they can't get him, it gets a little more challenging. You know, Is Mike Evans actually available or have Jet fans just kind of created this out of thin air because they need they need help at receiver? I don't know. Same thing with A.J. Green, but I think seeing him play so well and play so confident with guys who are that important to the future, Anderson, Herndon, McGuire, uh, is really encouraging. Was there anything else away from Darnold yesterday and away from some of the guys that we mentioned that you were pleasantly surprised by or continued to be angered and disappointed by?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to avoid talking about Leonard Williams because I feel like uh, we've kind of beaten into the ground enough, but uh, he played fairly well uh, to start off the game. He was um, getting noticed. You know, he, he was getting um, pressure on Aaron Rodgers on a few plays but to just, uh, for, for him to get ejected in, in this type of games, particularly with the the type of season he's been having, um, it, it just, it was not a good look and just a, a pretty poor way to start to close the season for him. Um, obviously, like, people get upset. It's not really about <laughs> uh, what, like, What happened in terms of reacting? Like you said, after the game, he knew um, the second guy always gets caught. The first guy's going to initiate. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're you're heading back to the locker room. Um, But I think just seeing that the Jets defense um, and I know one fan kind of tweeted at you and was like, you know, well, hey, look, the, the defense isn't too good without without Leonard Williams on the field, are they? Um, and really, we all know that <laughs> whether he was on the field or not, uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to go off. He was going to take take advantage of that defense, and we uh, obviously saw how much help they had from the refs and all that, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I feel like the pass rush looked exactly as effective as it was with him in the lineup, and that was not a good look. Um, obviously, Henry Anderson's been having a big season. Um, the edge players on the Jets have oddly had decent pr- production <laughs> considering um you know how little they've invested at, the, at that position um and to just see i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this
0: is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment
1: To see that, I think, was disheartening because it's, uh, you know, sometimes you get into situations where you get to prove like, hey, well, is this defense the same without him? Is this defense, you know, as effective without him on the field? And honestly, I, th- I think it was about the same. I didn't really see major differences other than, you know, times where they had the backups at D tackle in and they, you know, there was one play where they just fell into each other and <laughs> it looked a little comical, but honestly, they were as effective with him as they were without him. And uh, it's a little, a little disappointing to see, um, but at the same time, you know, who knows what they'll do in the off season. I know you, uh, Connor Rogers and I, I talked about a little bit on my timeline as well. He could end up being a trade piece in in the, in the off season. So Uh, Yeah, who knows what we'll see, who knows what will happen with London Williams, but I think uh, it it was probably the worst possible scenario for him (laughs) in terms of trying to prove himself towards the end of the year uh, to just get kicked out of the game so early.
0: Yeah, the Leonard, situa- the Leonard Williams situation, and a lot. I've got a lot of people who treated me being like, look what happened to the Jets' defense without Leonard. It's like, all right, like, small sample size here going against Aaron Rodgers, and let's not act like this defense didn't allow 41 points to Mac Barkley with him out there and didn't melt down against Tennessee, Houston, Cleveland, New England, yep. and multiple <laughs> other teams with him out there. So I, I understand people wanting to have the young talent here succeed, but he's in year four, and I think the Jets – needing help spread throughout their roster. He's someone you have to look at potentially trading. Is that going to happen? I wouldn't say it's likely to happen, but it's something that the Jets need to explore uh, as they look for different ways to accumulate draft capital and improve their roster in other areas where they're particularly weak. So playing New England next week, so sort of an overview of the situation before we switch to talking about Mr. Khakis uh, up (laughs) in Michigan. Basically, the Jets are locked from picking anywhere from first to fifth. Even if they win, the worst they could pick is fifth. So they will be in the top five. That, that's good news. I don't anticipate them beating New England, as this is a must win for New England to ensure and buy. And New England handled business against Buffalo uh, and is very difficult to beat at home. So if the Jets, if they lose, and the Raiders beat the Broncos, as the time of recording this, that game has not happened yet, uh, they would leap the Raiders if they lose, and that, that gets them ahead of them. If they lose and the Niners lose next week, it is believed that if a few other games break that way, they should be able to leap them as well. And if somehow Arizona finds a way to win next week, and that that could be the longest shot of it all, they could theoretically get up to number one. What's probably most likely to happen if you're being a pragmatist is that they'll probably end up picking third or fourth uh, unless they get a substantial amount of help. But you never know. They, they, there is a, a reasonable path to two. Uh, and there's a big difference between picking second or fifth. So, you know, four and 12 is looking pretty likely. And, you know, four and 12 after going five and 11 two years in a row is not fun. But at least the silver lining is this could be a team or should be a team picking two, three, or four. And. We don't, ha- we don't have to go down the draft rabbit hole because we have all offseason to do that. But let's say, for whatever reason, they can't find a way to trade down and Bosa is gone. I think most of us would want us to trade down in that situation. Who is like the two guys that are going to be most commonly mocked to the Jets? Let's say the Jets are picking third. Uh, you can't have them trade down in your mock draft. Bosa ends up going one uh, to, let's say, Arizona because they're probably most likely to have the first pick. Who's going to be the two names most commonly linked with the Jets?
1: So I think it's going to be Jonah Williams and Josh Allen. Um, I think they obviously are players that fit two needs that the Jets have had for a little bit. Uh, left left tackle after DePrikashaw Ferguson retired has been a fairly revolving door. Kevin Beecham's been fairly consistent, so he's likely going to get kept around uh, regardless of what pick they make there. Um, but it's obviously a big need, and it's something that's super important with Sam Darnold back there. We've seen how how beat up he's gotten. uh, I think against the Texans, like in the first quarter, he was already bleeding. Um, So, like, you need to protect your quarterback. You need to protect your franchise. Um, And Jonah Williams would be a sensible pick. It wouldn't be. I think it would be more popular now. I feel like fans are getting a better sense of um, how other teams have built and left tackle and offensive line are. Now things that fans are more interested in, as they've seen things kind of crumble uh, there in recent years, um, and I also think that Josh Allen, like I said, would be uh, a name connected with them because of uh, you know the Jets need for a pass rusher, and I think that he is going to be he's going to be, uh, he's gonna be the like off season uh, the draft season like star because he's going to dominate everything he does. Uh whether it's testing, you know, weigh-ins and all that stuff. I think he's going to be a level above everybody else just because he's he's good at everything. He's an, he's a superior athlete. Uh he has really, really well honed uh pass rush skills. Um he's he's multidimensional. He's not uh you know a flat player. He he has many skills uh and he can even drop back in coverage. Um so I think he's gonna dominate all of that and I think he's uh, going to be a top five lock by the time draft comes around, and uh, the Jets will be right there to take them. So, yeah, I think it'll be Jonah Williams and Josh Allen.
0: I think both make sense. I don't think anybody's going to complain about an edge rusher or an offensive lineman. I think it's going to be more interesting to see if they end up trading back, what names end up being there? And I don't think it'd be hard to complain about either of those names uh, because we know if the Jets are going to go defense, it has to be a pass rusher and not an interior defensive lineman. You would think, and then anything that is going to help support Sam, it's hard to you know frown upon that. And a big thing you know we've kind of been banging the drum on is you know invest, invest, over invest in the offense to compensate for the lack of focus on it in recent years. So. Hopefully the Jets find a way to go about doing that. Okay, moving over to the latest rumor, which has been denied by the official Jets Twitter and by Chris Johnson, which means it's definitely happening. Uh, pro Football Talk has reported that the Jets are making, planning to make a godfather offer to Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan. Uh, that presumably would basically give him sort of full control uh, of the Jets as a head coach and have a very heavy hand in personnel, if not officially kind of be running the personnel. My thoughts on harbaugh is on this overall thing is i'm happy the jets are being aggressive and looking at the college level and thinking outside the box and not just going to say well we'll just interview matt lafleur and hope that mike mccarthy might come here i'm glad that they are thinking outside the box i think harbaugh obviously has a bit of a mixed track record and there's some mixed feelings about him but he's gotten results from guys like luck from guys like kaepernick uh there, there's a track record of success there in the NFL. Uh, he is the kind of guy who would command enough control I think to either push Mike McCan out or diminish his power within the organization which I'm in in support of uh, that may be the only way for that to happen I I'm pretty lukewarm on the idea I, I like I, I should that's the wrong adjective. I like it. I don't think that they're going to be able to execute it, but I like that they're being ambitious, allegedly, and aggressive. What was your initial reaction to it?
1: Yeah, I was I was very interested in the timing of it. Uh, I feel like it was a really weird time to, uh, to kind of drop this palm on everybody. Uh, particularly with just one week left of the season, like they could have easily waited until next week or whoever leaked it could have easily just waited until next week. But I mean, obviously that's a, it's a significant leak. It's definitely something that you want to get out as soon as possible, I guess. But um, yeah, I felt like the timing was weird, but I also feel like um, it's a situation that makes sense um for the jets, particularly for their ownership, <laughs> uh, because I feel like they're trying to find common ground with what, I feel like right-minded people want for the Jets, which is somebody who can help with personnel decisions if Mike McKagan is staying um, and somebody who can, who has NFL experience and who can uh, lead a group of young men. Uh, I found it interesting that for, for, because for me personally, I've been thinking about Matt Campbell and some other uh, college names as potential candidates with all the NFL uh, candidates, really not looking that great. And a lot of other coaches making up their minds already. Um, so I felt like Jim Harbaugh is kind of somewhere in the middle of that because he's, he has a previous NFL experience. He, um, you know, he's had some success in the NFL, obviously with the 49ers. Um, and he went back to college, got some experience there, got ingrained in the pipeline in college. Obviously Michigan's always going after big players. So there's no, <laughs> no secret about that. So you wouldn't have to worry about him. Um, you wouldn't have to worry about the Jets being in any way. Uh, either close-minded or, you know, making bad decisions in terms of uh, personnel in college ranks. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's a. It would be. It wouldn't be a higher. I'd be upset with at all. I think it would. Uh, it would be a responsible hire in some ways, but I also think it would be really fun just to see him and Jamal Adams interact and kind of go through the day by day because I feel like they are very much uh, kindred spirits. They're very similar in how. Uh, intense they are about football and how they get after it, um so yeah, I feel like it'd be an interesting match. I feel like his energy might match what the team wants um but yeah i i i I'm, i don't I will not say it's like a perfect hire or anything, but yeah i I wouldn't mind it at all
0: yeah, i don't know if that like there is that perfect hire out there, but this is definitely more towards i would say the positive side rather than them hiring. Mike Shanahan or even Mike McCarthy, right. <laughs> who I know neither of us are that crazy about, or, or overpaying for a guy like Matt LaFleur who really hasn't you know, proven all that much yet. It's interesting. And again, this very well may be the Jets are putting this out there so their fans feel like they're being aggressive and turning over every rock, and this really isn't a realistic thing that's going to happen. But you never know. And if there is a time to take a big swing – it's right now because you have Darnold. He's impressed. You have the calf space. You have a top five pick. Uh, if there's a time to hit the reset button and make a big move, now is the time to do it. So it's going to be interesting to see after Bowles is formally let go next week, where is their legs to this Harbaugh story, Where where does the first round of interviews look like? I think we assume that McCarthy will get in here for an interview. But once they get through that, who else are they talking to? Are they going to take another aggressive swing at someone at the college level? Uh, What other offensive coordinators or former NFL head coaches are they going to prospectively look at? I think everyone knows that they're going to have interest in McCarthy. Now everyone knows that they're trying to potentially put something together for Jim Harbaugh. I think what everyone doesn't know is who is sort of that second tier for when they don't get the desired guys at the top of their list. What if McCarthy says I'm taking a year off or I'm going to go to Cleveland or I'm going to go uh to Arizona or one of the other you know openings. Uh and Harbaugh situation doesn't work out, where do they turn next? Who do you think, not who do you want, who do you think is that sort of second and third person that they end up interviewing?
1: Yeah, I think that uh I think Eric Bieniemy will get an interview. I think what's interesting is uh, the kind of search firm that they use for their previous hires. I'm not sure how close they are to Andy Reid's coaching tree, because um, I, I honestly just don't have any memory of any Andy Reid-related coaches uh, getting an interview with the Jets, which I find pretty interesting, um, considering the reputation he has around the league. Uh, but I think looking at Pat Mahomes and all he's done, I think any team would be crazy not to, uh, to interview him if they're looking for a coach. Um so I think he will get an interview. I think Dave Tub will get it, will get an interview from the Chiefs as well, special teams coordinator. Um I think that uh they will probably interview Chris Richard from uh the Dallas Cowboys. I know Jets fans will hate that because he's a defensive coordinator. Um, but he's actually an excellent coach. Uh and I, I, I thought he would get head coaching offers last season, but in a weird twist of fate, Pete Carroll fired him. Uh and now he's obviously doing a great job in Dallas. Um He's an excellent secondary coach. Uh, he's an excellent defensive coordinator, obviously, as we've seen, uh, even though that title is not – he kind of has like a, a you know a creative title with the Dallas Cowboys so he can kind of coexist with Rod Marinelli. Um, but, yeah, I think he's ready for a head coaching job. I think he'll probably get interviewed because of the reputation he has league-wide. Um, again, we have no idea what searching firm they're going to use, if they're going to go with Casterly again or anything like that but they tend to kind of stick with coaches that are safe. Uh, And I think Chris Richard is kind of a a safe name, even though he he hasn't had any head coaching experience, but he's somebody who's young and up and coming um, and is responsible and knows how to develop players. And somebody that would be excellent for someone like Jamal Adams. Because I think that one thing that everyone is losing sight of, and I think that the team, the Jets organization themselves, probably takes more importantly – is the development of Jamal Adams post Todd Bowles? Because as much as we hate, uh, or as much as everyone's kind of uh, piled on him and um, made him the only reason why the Jets are playing bad, um, Todd Bowles has done a great job with Jamal Adams, and that was the one pairing that everyone knew that hey, this is this is it. This he, he knows he's going to know how to develop him. He's a former NFL safety. He's going to get the best out of Jamal Adams, and he did. <laughs> so. Uh, I think what's important going forward is making sure that they continue to do that. Um, and obviously, we've seen in other situations around the league when the coach um, or the coordinator and the player aren't getting along or aren't gelling or aren't, um, you know, if the coach is holding back a developing player, it can be explosive. Um, and like we literally just heard a couple minutes ago, DJ Soringer getting cut. Because of disagreements with the coaches, like you want to make sure that's still smoothed over. But that was a long tangent. But uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I think they'll get those guys in for interviews. Um, And honestly, there's not many other people left at this point.
0: (laughs) All right. Before we wrap, let's talk about a few other things that we are hoping to see this offseason. Let's move past Le'Veon Bell because that's going to be a whole separate other discussion. I think the Jets are going to make a very aggressive offer for him. It's just going to come down as to whether another another team like the Colts is also serious about getting him uh, and is going to match their bid and offer a situation that's more conducive to winning right away. But I do think the Jets are going to be serious contenders there. Who are some other... I don't want to say under the radar, but we kind of hear the same familiar names ticked off when we're talking about the Jets offseason. Bell, Fowler, uh, a bunch of guys who aren't actually going to ultimately being available, like Clowney and Ford and Demarcus Lawrence. Um, you know, Offensively, a lot of people talk about Tyrell Williams and Golden Tate. Is there a couple other names out there that maybe aren't in that top, top tier of getting buzz that you think could be – quality additions to this roster it needed positions so everything you know everything on offense needs help and then we know cornerback and pass rusher are going to need help defensively who are some of those mid-tier free agents that you're potentially looking out for
1: so i i wouldn't say he's mid-tier but uh grady Jarrett is somebody that i'm definitely keeping an eye on um whether the falcons retain him or not because uh, signing somebody like that and having this the cap space to make that kind of move, um, like the Jets have, would be a huge move in this offseason because it would help them situate themselves for whatever coach is going to be coming in. If they can uh, re-sign Henry Anderson, which I hope they do. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't re-sign Henry Anderson. Um, but yeah, if if they get him back in uh, and they're able to sign somebody like Brady Jarrett, then they could be more comfortable um, using Leonard Williams as a trade piece to try to get more draft capital, but also they would upgrade uh, in that position. Uh, obviously, Grady Jarrett is an incredible player. Uh, he's uh, He would be a huge boost to the pass rush. Um, he obviously plays well against the run. Uh, he's he's a better player, and obviously we've heard the the Pepper Johnson interview. We all know what came out of that. And he's like, yo, I told them, I told them Grady Jarrett was better. Uh, and i think somebody on on twitter said uh the jets would have to thank pepper johnson publicly if they signed him in the offseason um, but I think he would be an excellent addition to give them some mobility um, in what they want to do with Leonard Williams for the future, but also in what uh, the incoming coach will be able to do with the defense. Because if he wants to go to a 4-3, uh, he can put Henry Anderson and Grady Jarrett on the inside. If he wants to go to a 3-4, he could put Henry Anderson and Grady Jarrett on the outside as 3-4 DNs. Um, so I feel like that would be a great, great signing for them um, to be able to make some improvements in their pass rush, which has been lacking. Um and uh, yeah, just upgrade at Leonard Williams' position and potentially move him.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they try to approach that front seven and prospectively improve it. Something that you know is definitely needed at this point. I think offensively, they're going to have to get creative. I think you know, offensive line that talent's going to get snapped up quick, and they're going to have to potentially bid on some players who are coming off an injury, like Parodies from the Broncos, or, or look at the trade market at places at like offensive line or receiver, and whether guys like. A.J. Green and Mike Evans are realistic or they have to aim a little lower and maybe get a guy like Muhammad Sanu who's getting pushed out a bit in Atlanta because of the presence of Ridley. They're going to have to get creative and really do whatever they can to stack up talent around Sam Donald because what cannot happen and kind of what I'm concerned about, in my mind, a nightmarish Jets offseason is basically they end up having to settle for their third or fourth head coach option. They miss out on Le'Veon Bell, so they overcompensate for it by paying a guy like Mark Ingram too much, who's older and has really not been all that productive away from Kamara to the point where I'd give him that much money. Uh, they give a huge contract to Fowler, who has had limited actual production playing next to a legitimate Hall of Famer, and Aaron Donald. Uh, and then the rest of it is like there's just not much left out there to spend. So if they could avoid that and and find a way to add some better overall talent to their offense and, and make some necessary additions to the trade market and defense. I do think they can make some notable improvements and hopefully put themselves in a spot, in a spot where playoffs are a reasonable conversation next year, because if you're keeping the same front office, it's year five and a half a decade should be enough. Dan, any final words signing off before we hit the new year?
1: Uh, man. Uh, well, two things. One, like you said, Five years really should be enough honestly <laughs> I just uh, it's been a long time since the Jets have been uh playing meaningful ball around this time of year, and I know jets fans are getting used to to draft season happening or starting early uh but really, I think the Jets have to start setting their sights higher um and I think part of what contributes to that uh, you know, kind of settling for things and being like, Yeah, that's a good hire or, you know, that yeah, I guess that's a good signing is just constantly being at the bottom. It makes everything look good. Uh so yeah, here's to hoping that uh the Jets will get back in the thick of things uh next season and also and Sam Darnold has been playing awesome. So let's let's hope that continues uh in New England. I feel like Bates should just every play he he never wanted to call, he should call it now. Just let it all out. Who knows what will happen in the future? Just call all verts for like one-third of the game.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Let it fly. Let's see what happens out there in New England. It will be a good test for Darnold to wrap the year. Dan Eason, thank you for joining us, everyone. Make sure to subscribe to the Turn on the Jets podcast presented here by Overtime Media on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review. All that good stuff. We'll be back in the new year to talk about what will be a very long, very interesting offseason Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy New Year's to all of you. Thanks again.